Morning, church. Um, our good friend Michael B. is in the hospital. Uh, he was having some stroke-like symptoms. He's not having a stroke. Um, they said there's something probably going on with his kidneys, so they're monitoring him. And I've been praying with him, and I've asked you guys to do the same. Um, he knows that we love him, and we've, we've, we lifted you up this morning, bro, and I've been lifting you up at home, and you know you and I have gone to the Lord, so um, just pray for him, please. How's everybody doing? Wow. Let's try that one more time. How's everybody doing? There we go. I have way too much energy for, for that quiet stuff that you guys got going on. Um, hey, you know, Greg, we appreciate you. Can I say something real quick? Greg, Greg, Greg's also, so Greg's a musician. Oh, you guys were not clapping loud enough. Come on. Thank you, Greg. Okay. I have to excuse Greg. I have to excuse our worship team. Our, 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 our um, Skip is out of town. So our, for those of you who don't know us, our regular guitar leader is out of town up in Crescent City working. His son, who's our drummer, he's out of town. And the seven people who stand over here in white robes and sing along with him, they're out of town too. So come back next week because the music will be pumping. Just kidding. But we do have a few people who are missing today. Um, I'm really glad that I was looking at my notes. It's like one of those things where it's like Murphy's Law. It's kind of what I woke up to this morning. It's like trying to get everything ready. I'm like trying to print. My printer doesn't want to print. And then it prints, and then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm going through all my notes, and I'm like, it looks like there's some stuff missing from my notes. And then I'm like on my Google Drive on my phone. Thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. I'm on Google Drive, and I'm looking, and I'm pulling the notes up, and there is stuff in my notes that didn't print over. It, like, printed some old version. I don't know. So I was very frustrated. We'll figure out what's going on with Microsoft later. Um, we are getting close to finishing the Jacob series, but we're not out of Jacob yet, right? And you remember I've talked about enough is enough. When is enough enough? Harsh working conditions, harsh conditions. Life is unfair for Jacob, right? But was it? I mean, we've talked about it so many times. We've pointed out all these errors of his ways and this deceit and these bad decisions. You know, he was a little sneaky, a little bit. But he had the blessing. And what Jacob realizes later in life as he goes on, which most of us will when we make bad decisions, because Pastor Chris always says, God is the only one who can take your wrong and make it a right. But we're going to realize, Jacob later on will realize he didn't need to do all this stuff to end up having God take care of him and bless him and those things happen in his life. It was prophesied over him, but he took it into his own hands, right? And so, um, <clears throat> remember I talked about enough is enough? Enough is enough. <coughs> Excuse me. Today and today, Jacob has reached the point of enough is enough. This is where he leaves. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, and I was, I was going through his story, and I was thinking, like, you know, have you ever defended yourself? Have you ever defended yourself physically? Have you ever defended yourself legally? Have you ever defended yourself legalistically? Legally would be the same way, but not in court. Or legally would be in court, and legalistically would be... The same efforts, just not in court. Have you ever been wrongfully accused? 
Where's my wrongfully accused? I can't put two hands up. I don't pass the t-shirt test. That's what my wife tells me. If you put two hands up and I see your stomach, that shirt's done. You've outgrown it. I got to be careful up here. And I'm on a diet right now. Thank you. I'm cutting. This is true. I'm maintaining for two more weeks. Then it's back up. Have you, have you ever been in the wrong and not known it? Yeah, right? I think we've all done that. Have you ever been in the wrong by fault of someone else and not known it? Jacob's going to end up in that scenario today, in this part of his story. I wanted to flip to the back because I'm super excited. I wrote this stuff on my notes, and it was going to be the last thing I was going to share, but I wanted to jump in it now because I wanted to get you guys pumped up. Where's your pump, Chris? I'm quietly whispering into the microphone. So remember that we're finishing Jacob right now, okay? New year, new season. Uh, Pastor Mark retired beginning of the year, and in January I came in, and I titled the beginning of our series, A New Year, A New Season. And we started in the life of Abraham, and we're going through some foundational biblical teaching. We're going to dive in so deep over the next year or two to get into why you need a Savior. You've been coming to church, and you went to, you went to, uh, you know, to an evangelical event, and they invited you to know Jesus because you were a sinner. That was all you knew, and you accepted Christ, and you've been plugged into a church. And every week you're there, they read from the New Testament, and they read Paul's letters, and they read the words of Jesus, and you know you're saved, and you got it all figured out. But you have a bigger question, right? Why? That's my favorite question. I'm the most curious person I know besides my sister-in-law. I want to know how everything works. And I'm a space nerd. I'm into astronomy, that James Webb telescope thing. And then I've had people say, well, now that you're looking to space, doesn't that change your faith? No, absolutely not. It strengthens my faith because the more I learn about how amazingly uniquely made we are and how amazingly uniquely made this universe is, it only brings more revelation to the, fa to the fact of how real God is. And I had this amazing God moment the, the other morning. I left. I got up Friday morning, and I was like, okay, i got to drop my truck off for service. So... I came outside, and for those of you who know who live in the area, the weather changed significantly Friday, yeah? Woke up Friday morning, there was a cool breeze. I looked forward to staying out of the house. And so I walked outside, and I, and I, and I wrote one of my, I just wrote this post. I wanted to give God praise. I said, Lord, I praise you for the seasons. For those who need the heat, bless them. And for those who need today's relief, bless them. Because I'm in that second category, right? I don't need the heat. I need the relief. So I write this post. I leave my house. I go two minutes down the road. I get to Bogan and Walton, and I see the marquee out front of the Grace Baptist Church, and it says, morning praise will make your days. And I'm like, you know, how often does God do that for me? God's been doing small stuff like that for me in my life for over 40 years. Stuff just like that. Good days, bad days, days I wasn't following them, days I wasn't seeking them out. God has done those kind of things in my life in front of my eyes too many times to ever deny his presence. So when I look more into learning and I'm a nerd and I'm curious about everything, that more strengthens my faith. It doesn't deteriorate it. It's okay to question everything. 
God designed you to be curious. The more curious you get, the more you want to know him. So I'm, so I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm getting super excited, and I'm looking ahead already because I'm like, okay, we're getting ready to finish Jacob. Now, remember I told you that Joseph is the first image in the Bible of our coming king. Joseph is the first image in the Bible of a savior. He is. And I wrote that we've got a three-part series coming up when we finish Jacob. They'll be on next week's bulletin because in this week's bulletin, I didn't have room to even leave the bullet points of what's in the schedule. I had to clear that stuff out, but it's there next week, and I've got three new titles in there. Joseph as a slave, Joseph as the servant to Egypt, and Joseph the savior of Israel. And I am... I am excited about that. And that's going to run for months. Months. Wait, it gets better. Because then I already went past that. I'll give you the next year. We're going to move into Exodus and talk about the deliverance of God's people from bondage. The why. The why. Starting with the depression of the people. The second image of a savior, the deliverer for the people, Moses. Who would shake bondage. The deliverance of the people. When they get out. And then the last 21 chapters of Exodus, the duty of the people. More of the why. Chris, I understand Christianity. I know I need Jesus. That's what they told me. It's 2,000 years after Jesus was here. That's all I need. All I need is Jesus. Yes. Yes. But there's some fine print stuff there. You want to go to heaven and just walk across and have your head, like, at your feet in shame, like, I accepted you, but I did nothing because I really never understood what was going on, and I didn't put in any work. And all those opportunities you put in front of me to share the good news about you, I didn't take opportunity of it because I didn't really know what was going on. What a sucky way to live. Anyways, I'm super excited, you guys, about the next few months. I mean next 18 months. I mean all the way till the end of 23. So we're talking about Jacob here, and he's been wronged, right? He's been wronged many times. Jacob has gone through 20 years of hell. He's worked for his uncle, who has not treated him fairly, right? And remember I pointed this out to you. First he steals his brother's blessing, and then he's given the Abrahamic blessing from his father. He receives... Two blessings, two blessings from Isaac. And he leaves, and this is what his blessing looked like. 20 years of why, God. 20 years of this ain't fair. 20 years of how come this is, how come I keep getting burned? 20 years. We talked about. Hard work. Remember I showed you guys that Widowmaker machine, that drill that killed people in a few years of working at it. You know, and I, I look at Jacob's life and some of the stuff that we have in this story, and I uh, will read it. Uh, you know, I get excited because it's okay to go through tough times. 
God has a plan that we don't know about. Have you ever heard me say that God answers prayer three different ways? You guys have heard me say that. What three ways does he answer prayer? Yes, no, and later. Thank you, Will, senior. Yes, no, and later. And I only hear one of those. I assume you only hear the same one I hear. And the other ones, when you hear those answers, they meant automatically, God isn't real, God doesn't hear me, I don't get it, this isn't fair, this isn't right, where's my faith, who is God, I don't get it. But he just gave you two other answers. Simple, single words. God, I need this to happen in my life. No. That will destroy you. God, I need this to happen in my life. Later. 20 years later, Jacob leaves from his father. He goes out. He has that moment. He has that dream. God interacts with him. He places that, he builds the pillar there of stone, names the place Bethel. God is in this place. House of God. Bethel. He leaves Bethel like, God's got my back. I got the blessing. I got it going on. I've had a vision. And what did it look like? 20 years of I don't get it. So, I hope you're picking up what I'm setting down when you're sitting there looking in the mirror and you're looking up and you're looking in your word and you're going, I'm lost. Well, so was Jacob. It's okay. Hey, it's August 7th, 2020. Can you imagine August 7th, 2040? It all makes sense. Okay, that's what happened to Jacob. It's okay. It's okay. It could be a long road, right? It could be a long road. So Jacob was ready to go home, right? You remember? Jacob was ready to go home. He said, I want to marry her. That's what I want my wages to be. And his uncle said, okay. I'm Recap every time. Recap, recap, recap. And he says, okay, I want to marry her. Okay, give me seven years of work, she's yours. And it said the seven years went quickly because he was so in love with Leah. And then he got deceived and he ended up marrying the woman he didn't desire. He didn't want her. If he'd wanted her, he would have said that seven years ago. So now he's got the wrong woman and he says, hey, man, that ain't right. I didn't, that was not our deal. Well, in my custom, it would be wrong for me to give you my second daughter and not marry the first I'll tell you what I'm gonna do snake right snake big corporate America right there step on you and then twist their words with legalities that's what that's what Laban was good at doing he was good at using legal things he says oh no I'm sorry we can't do it that way but I gotta but here's what we can do I'll give you this one too. Give me seven more years of work. Are we good? Fair? No, not fair. But since I want her so bad, yes. Right? That's what happened. So he puts in seven more years. Now he wants to go home. Hey, man, it's been 14 years. I got my women. I got both your daughters. I want to go. He says, no, let's make a deal, man. God has truly blessed me because of you. 
I see now that the God of your father is real. I'm, I'm doing really well financially because of you. I need you to stay. Let's make a deal. And then Jacob made that risky move I told you guys about, right? He took that risky move. He said, okay, instead of leaving, he said he was going to do it. Now, why didn't he leave? I'm going to tell you why he didn't leave. He had not been instructed to leave. He wanted to leave. You ever want to give up? God, it's been 10 years. I don't get it. I'm done. But if God doesn't speak up, then you need to just hold on tight. So he was ready to go home six years ago, everybody. But God had not instructed him to go yet. Reality was, even though his wages would be changed 10 times, God hadn't blessed him financially yet. God was going to prosper Jacob. I told you a million times, I'm not up here preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not, I can't promise you that God's going to do anything like that for you. But if God wants to do that for you, he will. And he planned to do that for Jacob here. That's why Jacob had to stick it out six more years of hell. So he, hadn't, he had blessed his unions. He'd blessed him with children. He'd blessed him with all the things that a man could wake up every day and say, you know, I have a great marriage. I'm happy. I have wonderful children. They're healthy. I'm blessed. Remember we had the blessed conversation? What did I tell you blessing was? God's presence in your life. That's blessed. All the other stuff that goes along with it, that laundry list of blessings, the blessing was God being in your life. And you remember Jacob, I pointed that out last week, I believe, last week or the week before. I even underlined it on your fill-ins so you could see the words. I'm good because my father, the, the God of my father has been with me. That was the blessing. So he blessed his unions. He blessed them with children. These were the true promises of the Abrahamic covenant. That was the true promise of the Abrahamic covenant. You're going to fill the earth. You're going to be my chosen guy. It started with your grandfather, your dad, but you're it, dude. Jacob was it. You're the guy. You're going to have 12 kids. He's only got 11 so far. But he still wanted Jacob to do, to go, he didn't want Jacob to leave without nothing. Because he knew Jacob had been burned here, right? So now Jacob was going to take Laban, uh, sorry, God's going to take Laban and take his manipulative ways and give everything to Jacob. But Jacob didn't understand later. That's a later. God, I want to go home to my family and I want to be in a good position to do so. Later. And over the next six years, God took everything Laban owned and gave it over to Jacob. Right? Did we miss that in the story? That's why I like to read between the lines, guys. God has now turned Jacob from a boy into the man he wants him to be. He has prepared him. He has changed him. He has matured him. Right? He's been working on him. In this story, God's going to appear to both Jacob and Laban. God will tell Jacob that now is the time to leave, and God will warn Laban about his upcoming encounter with Jacob. God's going to show up to two individuals. God does nothing by accident. If God didn't show up to Laban, Laban would have brought harm on Jacob. 
If God didn't show up to Jacob, he would have stayed there and suffered longer. And probably been killed. Because remember I told you the animosity from the brothers. He's everything our father owned, he's taking. Remember? Everything our father owned is being taken by him. They got their eye on him. And I told you, that was their inheritance in their eyes. And it's going to Jacob. So, let's read today. Genesis 31. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. Took him seven days to catch him. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me? You remember I told you there were two thefts last week. Jacob stole away his family, and Leah stole away the idol. I'm sorry, Rachel. Rachel stole away the idol. Thank you. You remember this? You remember this? Okay. Waking everybody up. What have you done that you've stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? That's a bold statement for a man who's done a guy dirty for 20 years who's been wanting to go back to his homeland. That's a bold statement. Why did you flee away secretly and Steal away from me and not tell me, for my, I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. This guy's good. He's a great arguer, right? Great manipulator. Total gaslighter, right? That's gaslighting in his best form. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. Wow, he's a gaslighter. It is in my power to do you harm, but... The God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. See, he already knew it right there. Stop. He already knows why he left. But here's the best part. You think he came for his daughters? You think he came for the flocks? You think he came knowing that Jacob was leaving because he'd put in all this work for years and he'd changed his wage ten times? You think he chased him down after all that? You would think. But let me finish that sentence. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? That's all he cared about. Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. Jacob's good too. Remember, Jacob was the first deceiver. Jacob's good too. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Do you see the importance of finding what really he came after? It's in the story. 
If he came for the wife and the daughters and the flocks, we wouldn't be reading about idols, would we? He came for the idols. Give me the idol. Where's my Indiana Jones people? Come on. Throw me the whip. Give me the idol. That's what he came for. Came for the idol. Did you see him running around like, I want to kiss my daughters. I want to say goodbye. No. Where's the idols? Let's go. He's going through tents. He's looking for idols. He hasn't even said hi to his daughters. He's looking for what he treasured most. False gods. Idolatry. Bondage. So, with whomever you find your, okay, for Jacob did not know that Rachel was the blonde went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out to Leah's tent, went out of Leah's tent, and entered Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel had taken the household idols, but put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all the tent, but did not find them. He still hasn't even said hi to his daughter. Her response was, and she said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of woman is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin? Have you ever been wrongfully accused by fault of someone else that you did not know? Remember I asked you that in the beginning? That's what's happened. So, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that they may judge between us both. Now listen to this next statement. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes, your female goats, have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flocks, and you have changed my wages ten times." Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. Wasn't well, that different than the wages that were set in place? Interesting. But what can I do this day to these daughters, to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have borne? Now, therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I. Remember the covenant. They would cut something in half, open it up, and then they, both parties would walk between it. Let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it, let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Galid, also Mizpah, which means watchtower. Whoa, Chris, that's a bad word. Don't read the book, watchtowers. I said the word is watchtower. It means watchtower. Because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. This, this is how much these guys don't trust each other. 
That's how much these guys don't trust each other. This is the covenant they're making. Let God set up a watchtower and watch between us. So basically that we never come together again. I don't want to see your face ever again. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. It's a crazy story. I love this stuff. May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap, here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and I. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you. You stay on your side. This was between Syria and the land of Canaan. Interesting. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judged between us, and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread, and they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban rose, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Interesting when we read these stories and we slow down and we go through it and we dive into what's really going on. Because sometimes you read this and you're like, you're super fast. You're like, oh, okay, they didn't get along, got it. And he did all this hard work and he got the, okay, it's over. No, slow down. Why? Become curious. Open up that word. It's at home. It's the living word of God. You have time to read it before Sunday's 10 o'clock when I put it up on the screen. Take the time, open it up, read it, get to know it. What happened in today's story? God intervened and rescued Jacob. That's the first thing that happened here. Now I've got to switch to my phone because my notes didn't transfer properly. God intervened and rescued Jacob. It is now time for you to return to your father's land. He promised him he would return. Remember this? I promised to bring you back to the land. I told you, and he walked away. He was like, I got the promise. I got the blessings. God let me know it's all going to be good. And God told him there in Bethel, I'm going to return you to your homeland. Don't worry. But it took 20 years, guys. But in this moment, God intervened and rescued Jacob. What did he intervene and rescue him from? Laban and his sons were plotting to probably kill him. We started off the earlier chapter with, Hey, the sons were saying negative things about Jacob. He took all of our father's stuff. And what they were really saying was he took everything that was coming to us. Now we have nothing. We need to get rid of this guy. Right? What though? But what, but what was the promise? God promised to return him to his homeland. I really want to come back to my father's land later. Later. You can return later. What else happened? God appeared to Laban, warning him about speaking against Jacob. God intervened and rescued Jacob. That is a part of the intervention. God had to show up to somebody who didn't know him and tell him, hey, you be careful with what you say to Jacob when you catch up to him. Or he might kill you. Who knows? You be careful with what you say to Jacob. Say nothing good nor bad. That's what he was warned about. Without God's divine encounter, Jacob may have left empty-handed. That is another reason God showed up. Remember that. See, Laban was coming in hot. Coming in hot. Right? Nobody's going to dance with me? Laban was coming in hot. 
He wanted his idols, his daughters, the sons, and his flocks. He wanted it all. His focus was the idols, but he wanted it all. He was coming in hot. And God had to intervene and show up and say, be careful what you say to Jacob when you catch him, and don't speak neither good nor bad. That was a warning to him. You think all of a sudden when he woke up from his dream that he was like, oh, I'm going to just crush him when I catch him. No, fear. Fear sets in. We're going to talk about fear next week. I'm super excited. What else took place in today's story? A controversy of legal matters took place. Very legalistic. Remember the gaslighter. Laban claimed Jacob had robbed him, yet presented himself as a hurt father. Yes? You took away my sons and my, my you took away my daughters and my sons. That was his way of presenting himself as a hurt father. But what did he really come for? But why have you taken my gods? How about, but why have I taken your daughters? You already answered that question. He also claimed to be a baffled avenger. That's why I claimed him that, a baffled avenger. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night. He was a baffled avenger. Couldn't understand why God showed up and told him this. Couldn't see his own wrong in the situation. You know anybody like that? Couldn't see his own wrong. He's baffled. Why would God show up and tell me to not do something about this? I don't get it. Maybe I should take an inventory of myself and realize how horrible I am. Laban then demanded Jacob to return his gods. You remember this? He demands it. Give me back my gods. And what did Jacob say? Jacob defended himself by placing death over any wrongdoing. You ever hear people say, like, I swear to God, I didn't do it. God, strike me down if I did. You know? But most of the people that are saying these things have actually done the wrong. They're just, they think if they take it that far, you'll believe them. Right? They don't know God because they'd be really foolish to put something like that on God. But we all know these individuals. But Jacob defended it by placing death over it. You find the idol and kill the person who has it. I've done nothing wrong. That was Jacob's standing. That was the place, that was the position in which Jacob stood. Hey, you find someone with the idol, you take care of it. I'm good with that. Anybody that stole from you deserves to die. But he didn't realize it was the woman he loved, right? What do you think he would have done if he'd known it was the woman he loved? Well, let's get into the depth of what happened there when he went into her tent. Rachel deceived her father with intentionality. She didn't try to slip it off on somebody else. She didn't go to her husband and say, I took the idol. No. She hid it in a camel saddlebag and sat on it. Why? Why, Chris? And then it said that the manner of woman was with her. Well, I'm going to explain to you some details that I found as reading through uh, some commentaries and some history and the way things were looked at in those days. She hid the idols by sitting on them, right? We got that. Apparently, Laban never imagined a woman would dare take a chance to contaminate the idols. She was unclean. 
Yes, that's what we called women when they had the manor 2,500 years ago. It was unclean. I cannot speak on behalf of women today and how they feel when they are in that manner. But we're saying back in this time, that's what was going on. They became nothing gods because a woman who claimed to be unclean sat on them. She defiled that god by sitting on it in an unclean manner. And that was how she deceived her father with intentionality. This god ain't real. That god's not real. The god of my husband, his god's real. He's blessed him, taken everything you owned, old man. Yes? At this point in the story, the legal strife changed hands. Jacob now made the accusations, and Laban became the accused. See, we never are going to find out what happened to those idols. Gone. Just forget about them. We're not going to read about them again. Maybe they got melted down, sold. I don't know. We're not going to find out. But they're gone. So now Jacob turns around and points the finger back. Yes? Enough is enough at this point for Jacob. Over 20 years, now Jacob is enough is enough. Can I tell you guys something? It's okay to speak up and say enough is enough. It's okay to look at someone and say enough is enough. Right? Haven't we been taught the opposite sometimes in church growing up? Like, you need to be this meek person and you need to be so kind and you need to be loving. and you Yes! But you also need to be bold. And you also need to know when to say enough is enough. Right? That's okay. I don't want to see Instagram right now. Laban knows he's been unfair. How do you not know you've done this man dirty? He knows he's been unfair. He knows it. And he offers to make a treaty and a boundary between them. I've done this guy really bad. Here's what we're going to do. He's always wheeling and dealing in the final seconds, right? Fourth quarter, he's about to lose the game, and he's like, hold on, i got a deal we're going to make. I've got a plan. Let's do this. I love how Jacob accuses him. These 20 years I've been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages 10 times. 
Enough is enough. You see that? It's okay to say enough is enough. Don't think that oh, you're a Christian, you can't speak your mind and can't say enough is enough. Because that's not true. Mizpah, the heap, and the pillar meant watchtower in Hebrew. I told you that earlier. I gave that away. But I want to spook you all when you saw watchtower go up on the screen. Everybody's going to be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. They're running. Yeah. Don't freak out. That's what the word means, though. That's where the word comes from of where they're taking it from. Mizpah meant watchtower. God will watch between us because I don't want to see you ever again. So let this heap and this pillar be my witness. And Laban said it about his daughters and about him taking other wives, and, and that was it. They were done. They were done. Enough is enough. I don't want to see your face ever again, you crooked old man. That's the position Jacob was in. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this stuff up. God appeared to both men in dreams during this last confrontation on, the, on purpose to separate them. That's why he showed up. God was now going to separate these two men, and he had to show up in person, in dream, to both of them. Jacob, it's time for you to go home. Laban, when you are going to chase after Jacob, you can't say anything good or bad to him. And then what happens? They end up, they come to this confrontation, Laban makes his accusations. Jacob makes his accusations. They come to a peace. They build the watchtower between them, and they both go their separate ways. God was ready to separate Jacob from Laban. God was ready to separate Laban from Jacob, and God had to show up and intervene and take care of it. God was in control. God is in control of every area of your life as well. Yes? God is in control. Not Jacob, not Laban, not Nicole, not Dennis, not Will, not Cindy, not Bibi, not Dale, and not Chris. God is in control. You are just going along for the ride. Because if God wants to send you to your uncle's place to build a family and go through 20 years of hell, he's going to send you. If God wants you to go to Nineveh, he's going to make sure you go. If God wants to deliver the people and you give him five excuses of why you can't do it, you're still going. God is in control. And God will intervene. You guys know, remember when I talked about idols and I talked to you about how the ten plagues represented an attack on all the idols of Egypt? I cannot wait to get back into that stuff. I'm excited. I can't wait to get back into that. So I just wanted to write this out. God's in control. When God is ready to move you to the next level, he will. You're going to go back to your homeland now. When God is ready to remove Unhealthy people from your life, he will. You're going to leave Laban. Laban, Jacob's gone. Don't say anything good or bad to him. 
when God is ready to place a healthy boundary between said people, he will. It might take 20 years. But there's a plan, one that you might not understand while it's happening, but there's a plan. So we're almost finished with the series. I told you guys everything we got coming up. I'm super excited. Just know that God is in control. Just know that Just know that if you come back next week, there's going to be three people up here. I love Greg. Greg played a gig last night and didn't get home until 1.30. And then he was here. He was the first person here this morning at 8 a.m. And I will use the word... I want to use really nice words, but I'm also super transparent. I want us to sing new songs. I made this very clear at breakfast yesterday with said individual. So he showed up this morning and he said to me, hey, I heard what you said yesterday, so I'm going to try to do three new songs on top of being up there alone. So you will all excuse him while he was getting lost in his words. This was not an accident. This was not a mistake. This was him trying to do too much. This was him trying to please his pastor. This was him trying to be the hardest worker in the room before any of us got here today. Show him grace. Don't sit there and go, God, the music was terrible this morning. Don't say that. You have to understand the why. Right? You have to understand the why. Yes, thank you. We need, we need, we're taking, we're taking applications. It's a verbal. I would love to sing. You're hired. Here's your wages. Free. Go. We're never going to change your wages. It's free. Come on up and sing. Okay? Show him grace. Show us grace. Skips away on business. Seven hour drive away. Busy all day, all night, his son too, and one of our other faithful members of the church, all up there working right now. And when's he returning home to us, Kelly? Did we all hear that? We all hear our prayer request? Chris, I don't know what to pray for. Yes, you do. You pray for Michael, and you pray for Skip, and you pray for their safe travels home. Yes? So anyways, guys, uh, it's been a great Sunday. I'm really excited. I know you all want to go home. Pastor, you've been going on. It's 10 minutes after 11. This is about when I've been ending it lately. I'm realizing that 25, 30 minutes is not enough time to get out everything I want to say. So, you know, we were trying to finish at 11 every time, and I'm like, that's tough. You know, Mark, Mark was like, we got to finish on time. Well, then the new time we finish is 11.15. Has everybody got it? Cool. We're good? All right. Done. Thank you. Set. It's done. All right, so let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your, your word. Lord, I thank, you for, I thank you for your fellowship with us, Lord. I thank you that you're here in this place, Lord. I, I hear you in what's happening, Lord. I see you in what's happening, Lord. I feel your presence, Lord. I feel your presence with our church family, Lord. I feel your presence in our music, Lord. I feel your presence in our leadership, Lord. I feel your presence in our lives outside of this room, Lord. We all have a life outside of this room together, so we know each other on a deeper level, Lord God. And I thank you for this church 
I thank you for our workers. I thank you for everything you're doing. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the messages that you're going to give us over the next 18 months minimal. Lord, I thank you for that stuff in advance. I thank you, thank you, thank you. I bless all these that are here today, Lord, in attendance and all those at home. I bless them that they all go out and have an awesome rest of their Sunday. I bless them and pray over them that they wake up tomorrow and say, Happy Monday. I'm going to make today a day of praise. I'm going to make today about you. I, I bless them, Lord, and I pray that over their life. In Jesus' name, amen.